0: Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities
1: Finance. This podcast series furthers our mission to support our community as we seek to promote the advancement of women in the securities finance marketplace. We hope you leave today with a broader perspective or ideas about ways to further your network and career. Or perhaps
0: a deeper education on important business changes in our marketplace. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, I'm Liz Rotem, and it's an honor to be here today to host the Women in Securities Finance Podcast. I'm a founding member of this great organization and a veteran in the SECFIN world, having worked in the securities finance arena for over 20 years, predominantly in sales and trading roles across Wall Street. Most recently, I pivoted to the startup world to a fintech focused on solving for pain points within SECFIN called Phenopsis. I enjoyed learning about innovations in our industry and bringing ideas from initiation to execution. A few years ago, I started angel investing and was introduced to and became a member of 37 Angels an Angel Investor and in Education Network. Today, we are joined by Angela Lee, founder of 37 Angels and professor of practice at Columbia Business School, teaching venture capital, strategy, and leadership classes. Angela, welcome.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Liz, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: First off, congratulations on the 10-year anniversary of 37 Angels.
1: I know. I cannot believe it has been a solid 10 years. Time goes by very quickly when you're having fun.
0: For those of you who don't know, in 2013, only 13% of angel investors in the United States were women. 10 years ago, Angela decided she was determined to change this and launch 37 Angels. Their mission is to close the gender gap in startup investing and get to 50% hence the 37 Angels. Let me share some really impressive stats with you. They annually review 3,000 startups and invest in 10. To date, 37 Angels has invested in over 100 startups with 17 exits and two IPOs. They've earned a 20% IRR, putting them in the top decile of performance for early stage startup investors. On top of that, Angela has been responsible for teaching angel investing skills to over 1,000 women and has fostered a robust venture community. It's no surprise that Inc. magazine calls Angela an inspiring woman to watch. So, first off, before we get into it, Angela, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, what is angel investing?
1: So angel investing is investing in early stage startups. And the primary difference between angel investing and venture capital investing is that angel investors are investing their own money, either from savings or from having exited their own startup, whereas venture capitalists are investing other people's money. So they're raising funds the way a hedge fund manager does, the way a mutual fund manager does, and they're investing other people's capital. The way that they're similar is that they're both investing capital early into a startup's ecosystem where you say, okay, I'm going to own 1% in the case of an angel investor, or maybe 20% in the case of a venture capital company. And then what they're hoping is over the next five to 10 years, that company's going to get really big either that startup is going to IPO or get acquired, and then they put in a million dollars and that turns into $10 million. So both are trying to turn a small equity stake into a much larger equity stake over time. And the primary difference is where the capital for the funding comes from.
0: So Angela, let's get down to it. How did you become so passionate about this cause and how does 37 Angels work to close the gender gap in angel investing?
1: So my personal path through all this is that I started off as a founder. So I was a founder in the late 90s when money was falling from the sky. And so I've always been an entrepreneur at heart and I've started four companies in total. In 2008, a friend actually approached me to write my first angel check and I wrote it not having any idea what I was doing. And I realized that I wanted to do this because people kept sending me more and more deals, but I had no idea what I was doing. And so for about four years, I just absorbed everything that I could. I talked to everybody. I read every book. I Googled every term. And I realized there were so many people like me. And I started going into these angel networks. And I had somebody ask me if I was lost. I had people ask me, where'd your money come from? Got asked all these inappropriate questions. What does your husband do, right? Right and realized that I needed to find a safe space for other people who looked like me to invest. And I needed to create a safe space to make sure that people understood what they were doing. Angel investing, venture capital, it is a black box. And I really wanted to shine a light and teach people how to do this and save them the you know four or five years of pain that I went through. And so in 2013, 37 Angels was born. I love that. We
0: know that there's a huge amount of wealth that isn't invested in the marketplace, coupled with women who have an investment knowledge gap to begin with. Have you seen this change over the past 10 years? And if so,
1: how? So I'll start with the numbers. As you mentioned, when we started 37 Angels, 13% of angel investors were women. A decade later, we've made some progress. We're in kind of high teens, low 20 percentage points, depending on how you look at the data, which is better, but still not nearly where I would like us to be. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot change in terms of investment behavior. You know, over and over, I see men make one investment and all of a sudden they put on their LinkedIn, I'm an investor, right? Whereas women will have invested in six or seven startups and they'll come to me and be like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And so a lot of it is imposter syndrome. And what I always tell people is that 37 Angels isn't for women investors because women need this education more. Everybody needs this education. It's just that women are much more likely to admit that they need it. And I see this over and over again in terms of that imposter syndrome. And I tell everybody, lean into it. Nobody knows what they're doing in early stage investing because you are investing in nascent spaces and super early stage startups. Nobody knows. And so getting comfortable with that discomfort and ambiguity is a lot of what we talk about in the bootcamp.
0: I really enjoyed the bootcamp course that I took. For those members who aren't aware, could you please talk a little bit about the bootcamp and how it
1: works? Of course. The bootcamp is really meant to be an immersive experience to teach people the art of angel investing. And the way the course is taught is that we start off by teaching people frameworks, then we apply it to a case, and then we apply it to a real world scenario. So the topics that are covered is how do you source deal flow? So how on earth do you start to even find companies to invest in? Then we go over how do you diligence companies? How do you look at their people? How do you look at their problem? How do you look at their deal terms? Then we go into term sheets, right? So what matters in term sheets? How do you think about board seats? How do you think about governance? How do you think about information rights? Then we go into valuation. A lot of you have probably watched Shark Tank. And when a founder says, I'm worth $10 million, you know how on earth do they come up with that term? And how do you negotiate against that price? And then finally, we talk about portfolio strategy. So how do you think about angel investing within your portfolio? And then within your angel investing portfolio, how do you think about diversification? So the way that it's taught is, again, we teach it through case-based learning, but then you immediately take that learning and you apply it to real startups. So we immediately have you write a diligence memo on a real 37 Angel Startup and you make a decision alongside other angels. So it's very much created so that folks are learning by doing.
0: Thank you, Angela. That's great. I've recommended the course to a few people who felt the same way and enjoyed it themselves. For more information, check out 37angels.com. Angela, your TED talk on bias breakers was fascinating.
1: What does it mean to be a bias breaker? So I actually teach a course at Columbia Business School called The Leader's Voice, which is all about leadership communication. And in that, we talk a lot about bringing awareness to how your nonverbals impact people, to how the way that you shake someone's hand, right? People make a ton of impressions about you based off of very quick impressions, And I talk a lot about that class, bringing awareness. And then I say, now that you're aware of these things, you have a choice. The first choice is you can change nothing. You can say, no, I'm not going to change my name just because it means that I might be less likely to get an interview, or I'm not going to straighten my hair, or I'm not going to dress in a certain way. That is a perfectly valid choice. The second choice is you change something about yourself. And so maybe you learn how to project your voice with a little bit more confidence, or you learn to speak slower. So you have a little bit more gravitas, whatever the case may be. And then the third choice, which is what I tell everyone to do, is to change the world. And that is to be a bias breaker, meaning that we want to expand the definition of what normal looks like, in air quotes. I want to expand the definition of what it means to look like a leader, to speak like a leader, to sound like a leader. And so all of us are leaders and have the ability to break through bias in the sense that changing, again, the face of what a leader looks like is something that's really important to me.
0: That's great. Going back to angel investing specifically, what are some common mistakes that angel investors make?
1: So in terms of new angel investors, I think there is a sweet spot in terms of when you should write your first check. So the biggest mistake I see angels make, especially brand new angels, is they'll invest in the first company they see. And I say, please, please, please don't do this. There are a lot of companies that are really good at pitching. Doesn't mean they're good at running their company or that it's a good company to invest in. So I usually tell people, look at between 50 and 100 deals before you write that first check. However, I also don't want you to spend a year analyzing your first company. And so there is some degree of ambiguity that you need to accept when you're writing that first check. You're never going to be able to diligence through every single one of that risks. So that's exactly why we have the boot camp and why we have what we call angels in training. And we really kind of handhold you through that process so that you're not writing a check too early, but you're also not facing analysis paralysis.
0: How do angels typically see this asset category fit into their overall investment portfolio?
1: So, I'll tell you what is recommended. That said, people obviously deviate from that quite a bit. So, angel investing, startup investing is a very risky asset class. The statistics are that I'm sure a lot of you've heard is if you write 10 checks, half of them, you're going to lose all of your money. A few of them, you're going to maybe get your money back, maybe get double or triple your money back. And then 1 in 10, one in 20 is that home run. You're going to hopefully get back 10 times your money, 20 times your money, maybe 50 times your money. And so a couple of things. The first is that you don't want to write one check and leave the ecosystem. I tell people that be prepared to write a minimum of 10 checks. Now, you don't have to do that in one year. You can do that over two or three years or four years. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that it should be a small percentage of your investable portfolio. The recommendation is typically between 5 and 10% because it is so risky. Do I have friends who are 40% in venture capital and 40% in Bitcoin? Absolutely. But I would dissuade people from having that much money in angel investing.
0: How could capital market professionals use their domain expertise to give them an edge in angel investing?
1: So I think folks who come from capital markets, the things that they have strengths on are one, obviously analysis, two is comfort with financial statements, and three, oftentimes they have some sort of industry expertise because maybe they focus on a specific sector. Lean into all of that. I always tell people in your first couple of years of angel investing, invest in what you know, because you're already learning the art of angel investing to then on top of it, learn a brand new sector, a brand new language can be really, really difficult. So bring all of that into your experience angel investing. However, I also tell people that they have to unlearn a few things. Those of us who come from capital markets, we are used to getting reams and reams of Excel spreadsheets or 10Ks, looking at five, 10 years of historical data That does not exist when you're looking at an early-stage startup. We don't use the term EBITDA, right? And we're looking probably at revenue and costs. That's about as specific as a profit and loss statement is going to get. So I think you have to unlearn leaning on too much numbers, too much financial analysis. Angel investing, especially early-stage angel investing, is really about getting to know the team, doing lots of reference checks, asking lots of questions to kind of poke around on the founder's brain in terms of how they're thinking, how they make judgments. It's much less doing sensitivity analyses, doing financial modeling. And I find that sometimes people lean into what they know, which is spending hours and hours in Excel. And that is just not what in early stage investing leads to better outcomes. What trends have you seen in investing in startups? So in terms of trends, I think that sector trends very much come and go, right? So I feel like you always have these buzzwords in startup investing. So right now, it is very much generative AI. Everyone is talking about generative AI. And so many companies say that they are a generative AI company when they are not. For the past few years, it's been machine learning and artificial intelligence in general. Prior to that, it was big data. Prior to that, it was internet of things, right? So there are always these things that happen. We as investors try very much to ignore the trends because A, trends tend to be lagging indicators and B, you often overpay for those trends. So I always tell people to really just try to invest in the fundamentals, try to invest in awesome teams, and don't get so caught up in what's really frothy at the moment.
0: For any of our members that would like to get more involved in the angel community, what would
1: be the next steps? I would say there are kind of two hubs that you should tap into. The first is local accelerators, and the second is local angel networks. So an accelerator is basically school for startups. What typically happens is a bunch of startups will apply to join an accelerator. They will usually pick a cohort of about 10 startups, and those 10 startups will spend usually about three months with the accelerator, and they're basically going to school. They're learning how to pitch, they're learning how to sell, they're learning how to hire, how to build their prototype, And at the end of that three-month accelerator, they will participate in what's called a demo day. And a demo day is usually those 10 founders standing up in front of probably hundreds of investors saying, we're awesome, invest our startup. And the reason why I love accelerators is because they are a very natural meeting place of investors and founders. And so if you go to 37angels.com forward slash accelerators, We have all of the New York accelerators listed by sector. We also have global accelerators. So if you say, look, I want to find a education technology accelerator in Boston, then you can find one. And that way you can be like, I'm going to go to their demo days. I'm going to go to their events. I will meet all of the like-minded investors. I will also meet the best startups. In that space. So I love accelerators. as just a great place to start to meet your tribe. And then I would also encourage you to join a local angel network. If you go to angel capital association, they have many of the angel networks listed on their site. And they're also just a great resource as well. They do an annual conference. They do a lot of events to start to learn about this space. I would also, of course, recommend 37 angels. We have our investment bootcamp, which you can learn more about at 37angels.com forward slash bootcamp. We are a national angel network, and we have members all over the world. And we also recommend a lot of angel networks if you want to go to one that's a little bit more local to your ecosystem.
0: Thank you. I would also like to add that for anyone interested in the 37 Angels Bootcamp, there's both virtual and in-person for the New York City class for our members that are not located in New York. So 37 Angels has 10 years under its belt and many accomplishments. What's on the horizon for the next 10 years and any key milestones?
1: That is an excellent question. It's something I think about a lot. Folks ask us all the time to launch a fund because our performance has been good. TBD on if that's going to happen. I think for us, what we want to get into more is probably the next level of education. At the end of the day, I'm an educator, first and foremost, it's what I love. And so thinking about the next level of education for our members, like How do you build your own thesis, portfolio construction? We also have a lot of members now that we've had 10 years of alum who have actually gone on to work in venture capital. So thinking about helping women to get into venture capital, probably more education is what I'm really passionate about. And of course, really supporting our portfolio companies to success.
0: That's great. Anything
1: else you'd like to highlight? The advice I just always tell people is that angel investing is like swimming. You can't learn it from a book. And so if you're interested in this, I think people spend a lot of time reading articles online and that's great. You should inform yourself, but I would really encourage you to dip your toe in the water by going to an accelerator demo day, go to an angel networks pitch day and start to really build that muscle and don't just passively listen. I would keep a little notebook and I would kind of write down these companies and be like, would I invest? You don't have to put capital to work, but you're really then building that muscle and building the gut of being an investor because it is a really, really fun thing to do, but don't so much sit on the sidelines, try to start to dip your toe in the water.
0: Thank you again, Angela, for your time and insights. This has been really great.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Liz. Thank you for listening to another episode of
0: Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. And a big thank you to our featured speakers from this
1: episode. And of course, all the active Women in Securities Finance members that are driving real change in our marketplace today. If you have ideas for future episodes or would like to get involved, please visit our website or you can contact Women in Securities Finance via LinkedIn. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe to this series wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters and do not reflect the views or opinions of their respective employer organizations. This material is for your private information and does not constitute legal, tax or investment advice. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based on such information. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.